Yeah. <laughs> extra, extra, reading the issue. Raw news, unapologetic, no tissue. Catch the wave, the flow first certain. Nothing put you in like a Pittsburgh current. Free from influence, nothing less than. No flexing, aim for aggression. We cover news, politics, our forms. And entertainment that comes in all sources. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am editor and publisher, Charlie Deach. The new issue of the Pittsburgh Current is online now and in your email. This week, Brittany Haler has a must-read story on how Black neighbors in Pittsburgh aren't always treated neighborly. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic read. Uh, she spent a lot of time um, talking to folks who are um, basically prisoners in their own home because of how they're because of the racism subjected to them by their neighbors. So please uh, go on our website, pittsburghcurrent.com, or uh, you can always sign up. Go to our website and also sign up for the digital edition. It'll come to your email box each and every Tuesday afternoon. We've got a, we've got a good show today. Um, I'm very excited about, uh, about our show today. Um, our guest is uh, Ime Alaquiva. He's an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, composer, activist, and the founder, president, and CEO of Your Mom's House, a digital multimedia agency. He also founded Hip Hop on Lock and Optic Voices. His newest project is Unspeakable, a 60-second PSA that assembles diverse individuals of the deaf community. The digital presentation amplifies the voices to collectively proclaim through American Sign Language that Black Lives Matter. Ime joins us this morning live on, uh, live on Zoom along with Danielle Phillip, an American Sign Language interpreter. Ime, Danielle, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. What's up, Charlie? I'm I'm loving the, I'm loving the hoodie. I gotta thanks, man. You know, you gotta fun. Amazon me a hoodie, man. Come yeah, on. I, that's actually how we met. We met at uh, we met at, on the north side at uh, the place we all go. Uh, was uh, it Arnold's T? Arnold's T. And Arnold I was wearing this, and that's how you you asked me if I was somehow connected. Yeah, we met there. Yeah, so. man. Well, I, I mean, it's looking real nice on you, buddy. Thanks, it's man. matching your background. I got I got <laughs> to upgrade. We we do nothing if not match. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what's so, um, you mean, you've done. I mean, we'll get into a lot of your other work here in a minute. Sure, you, sure. You've done a you've done a lot of um, you've done a lot of work specifically. Um, in act with activism, and particularly, you've been covering a lot of the protests that have been going on. Talk sure. to me a little bit, and then we're going to watch the PSA. But talk to me a little bit about where the inspiration for Unspeakable. Where does that come from? So the inspiration uh, for Unspeakable, um, a little bit of backstory. Uh, two years ago, I wanted to do something with my daughter that mm -hmm. was an activity to sort of broke down the inferiority superiority complex where my daughter had an even playing field where we could start the same. I didn't know more than her. She didn't know more right. than me. Um, and ASL has really been transformative in a way that has really allowed our relationship to connect, uh, for patients to be there, for me as a father to be patient, um, kind, and um, just the love has really, really blossomed from something like uh, 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 ASL bringing us together. So, you know, fast forward it, you know, fast forward to, you know, two years later with the protests and things going on, of course, with the, uh, uh, with George Floyd, I had to sit down and have a really powerful conversation with my daughter, mm -hmm. who's eight, about what she's seeing, what might be on TV, uh, you know, when daddy has to go out to protest and daddy has to document and things of that nature, I would come back. 
um, with, you know, photography, videography, um, and images where my daughter and say, Oh, dad, did you take that? Yes. Oh, did you take that? Yes. And she would be surprised and fascinated. But at the same time, she said, well, daddy, there, there are no individuals with, you know, that are doing sign language. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I was taken back with that. And I said, you're right, Michaela. There, I haven't really been, to, and and I haven't really seen anyone of the deaf community really deep in these protests. And I know their voices need to be heard. So that night I couldn't sleep. Um, so around 2 a.m., I wrote the script in a matter of 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And I immediately started getting on the phone uh, the next morning, figuring out who are the individuals that can help tie this story together. So it's definitely not all about me. Sure. So out of respect, I had to reach out to the deaf community. I can't sit up and, you know, stand up and be like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Uh, but the respect is being able to reach out to those pillars in the deaf community and those, you know, with disabilities. So I reached out to Amy Crawford. Um, I reached out to Danielle Phillip, uh, George Bullock. Um, I reached out to my own team members, Jack Orman, Sydney uh, Cooper. Um, I also reached out to um, two individuals that are very close friend of mine. Uh, one is uh, Stephen uh, Butter Anderson, who uh, is a multi-platinum producer. He also is a musician for Disney. He does all the music for Raven's Home on Disney right now. Wow. Uh, and he's from Bell Silver. So I said, all right, Butter, let's get it popping on the music. Let's work with that. Then I called Bianca Blush Atterbury, who just wrote for Demi Lovato. Uh, she wrote for Megan Trainer. She wrote for Kay Michelle. And she is a songwriter for Disney. So she writes songs for Disney right now. And she's from Moreauville. Wow. So putting these elements together in one room, I said, let's do Unspeakable, where we amplify the voices of um, individuals who need their voices heard and who need it amplified. Um, so that's how Unspeakable came about. 59 seconds uh, PSA, incredible individuals who really helped us out in, uh, to get this message to the next level. So I'm, I'm extremely proud of the project. Yeah, it's, a, it's a powerful 59 seconds, that's for sure. So we'll talk about it after, but uh, Jake, go ahead. We'll, uh, let's watch the uh, PSA. I don't think there's anyone who watched that and not be moved by the power of that message. It's a powerful message anyway. 
but when you see it re that it's that everyone is ha is able to have their say is able to speak out on something like this um and i think that one thing i mean you you obviously are focusing on the deaf community here but we've talked before this is also about other people with disabilities because some of the individuals who've been who have been killed at the hands of police have been folks with disabilities mm, absolutely that's a great point um as a matter of fact you know uh one third to one half of you know individuals who've been killed by police particularly of of, of the african diaspora um have had a disability um freddie gray um eric garner um uh, uh sandra bland uh just to name a few individuals and locally bruce kelly jr who was killed by the port authority police oh yeah absolutely uh, absolutely the the, the yeah. one in uh, uh wilkinsburg yes having yeah having you know a disability you know being black in america is one thing but being black with a disability um is another thing and that that is kind of what we need to look at you know um with over 600,000 uh individuals who are deaf and, and hard of hearing we have to understand that you know there has to be training that surrounds that initiative mm -hmm. um me in in my 40 something years of life I, I I don't know a police officer who knows sign language in the event that you tell someone to freeze and they can't hear you or stop right there and they can't hear you over a mistaken identity or something like that. And if there's a communication breakdown or, or, or you know, some type of communicational kerfuffle where you're, you're clashing, what are the results of that? You know, and, and, and there's some amazing police officers, don't get me wrong, shout out to Fonz, um, who uh, is a police officer who saved my life, um, in, in fact. So I understand, you know, uh, the sides where there just may be a communicational glitch somewhere that if there was training offered, it could be it could be optional. It doesn't have to be a prerequisite, but if there was an option to train uh uh officials to sign and say you know hi you know my name is you know uh you know tom right and, and to be able to say it in sign language do you understand the the breakdown of aggression that would happen mm -hmm. or if someone is driving in a car and a police officer shines a light into the eyes of someone who who may be deaf or hard of hearing right. they can't read your lips yeah in the deaf, yeah, it, yeah. In in a deaf community, there's a lot of individuals that can read lips, but if there's a if there's a, a flashlight just shining straight down, you know, the barrel of a of a of a of an optic or a pupil, it's difficult for that communication. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to amplify these voices to say, hey, listen, individuals who are deaf, hard of hearing, or those with disability should be in more conference rooms to make decisions on what we are doing with America. How do we get to the next level, but be more inclusive of individuals who are absolutely capable of helping make decisions for our country? Right. And it really is, a, I mean, there are many, obviously many problems that lead to where we are in terms of the systematic racism that is that has caused these deaths. But one of the issues, just, I mean, even if you have just an incident that goes too far, maybe not to the level of someone being killed, but one size fits all policing is not the answer. And, you know, if an officer is trained to 
um, you know, to, to approach a car that way during a traffic stop. They're going to do it every, every time without taking into consideration the needs of other folks. And, and sometimes there's, there's very much, there's the idea of, you know, we need to consider what the police officers go through on a daily basis. And sure. I don't disagree. However, yeah. I think there needs to be a little something on the flip side that says police need to also be uh, aware that there may be something different on, on the other side of the coin. And so sure. I feel like that that's even part of the disconnect. And I, I think that by highlighting this, I think you're really doing a, you're really doing a positive thing. Yeah. And think about it. There, there's, there's three sides to every coin. Yeah. There's the heads, the tails, and then the ridges yeah. that go around the coin. Right. If, if individuals that are deaf, hard of hearing and those with disabilities, just get them on the ridge. Yeah. Get them to surround what's going on on both sides of the situation and watch what happens because individuals that are deaf, hard of hearing and those with disabilities are some of the most intelligent people on the planet. Get them in a conference room, you know, allow them to present their PDF presentation format and watch them rock, watch them rock. Tell me a little bit about the production of this uh, of this PSA. Working with all of these folks, putting it all together into the final product. What was that process like for you? So this process, um, it was smooth sailing. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just put it right there. Um, so many outstanding individuals surrounded this movement. You know, when it was just an idea of mine, I didn't know how it was going to go. Uh, to be honest, right. Here I am just taking ASL classes. Here I am just a father bringing my six-year-old for the first time, you know, learning how to say hello and things of that nature uh, with Amy Crawford, um, also goes by AO. Um, you know, I was like, wow, you know, why are we sort of doing this? But it quickly turned into the reason why we do this and the reason why one of our calls to action in this PSA is for individuals to learn more about ASL is so that we could learn more through another language than just the English language. Now, and, and let me tell our audience, you know, uh, ASL isn't 100% completely de derivative of English language. It's its own culture. Right. It's its own dance. Like when you look at Danielle right now, the way she dances with her movements, um, how graceful she is, and then how passionate she is about certain things, that's the culture um, that you could learn something totally different outside of English than ever before. Okay, that's there. So when we approach the deaf community, Danielle, Greg, uh, Amy, they said, listen, we are on board. However, uh, they turned into script consultants. So they looked at my script and said, hey, we need to sort of move a little things here. We need to move a little things there. And I was like, okay, cool, fine, let's do it. Um, so once we got the script together, we worked with the production manager, Sydney Cooper, who's absolutely phenomenal at what she does. She was able to wrangle multiple logistics and assemble those logistics together uh, and, and make them one cohesive train, if you will. Right. So the deaf community got on a train. Then I hit up uh, Butter. Um, and when I uh, told Butter, Butter said, say no more. 
you let me know kind of what you want. Right. So what I did, uh, Charlie, is I had a placeholder of music. And when I had the placeholder of music, I sent that to Bianca in, in LA. She's in, she's based out of LA. So when I sent that to her in LA, she went directly into the studio. She sang the little chants that you hear in a PSA. When you listen closely, you can hear her chants. It's almost like a spiritual hymn, yeah. a hymnal um, out of a church. Um, and then once uh, Butter got Bianca's vocals, Butter reshaped the music based around her her emotional, palpable feeling. And then we did <clears throat> a couple of revisions with, with Butter and it came out perfect. It took us maybe three or four revisions just to lock it in with the sound effects. Even the dropout at the end where the boy goes matter, mm -hmm. even when it drops out, that's intentional to, to not play with your emotions, but to tap into your emotions because we understand how important music is to your emotions. Now, at the beginning, I wasn't going to have any music, Charlie, to be honest with you, because I wanted people to experience with individuals who are deaf experience. But you know what I found out from my, from my research? Someone told me in the deaf community, no, you should have music. Here's why. There are deaf uh, dancers, the rhythm, yeah, they feel the pulse of the mathematic equations of how the notes and the melody meets and how the bass teams up with certain frequencies. So someone in a deaf community may, the music is a certain frequency that heals us. And I was blown away by that. Yeah. So I said, okay, say no more because music is my thing and music is what saved my life. Right. So we put the music to that together. We sent it over to, to, to Danielle, uh, uh, Amy, um, and Greg. They said, this is phenomenal. We get behind it. We put together the info deck, the press release. We did photography elements uh, just for a media kit. Um, and we put together a website that Jack Orman put his foot in. Jack Orman, that's my guy. Yeah. That's my dude. He, I said, Jack, this needs to go further. Um, after speaking with my chief communication officer, Jamar Grant, uh, I'm sorry, Jamar Thrasher, he said, Ime, this needs to live somewhere. We need, the, we need to plant all the resources and put them in a central location. Mm -hmm. So I said, Jack, we need to put all these, central uh, all these uh, resources in a central location. He said, all right, cool, and whatever. As I was talking to Jack, he was probably like, boom, boom. So, <laughs> right. so I, I went online. I bought unspeakableblm.org, which is our website that houses um, resources where people can find out how to learn a, uh, ASL. What's the difference between ASL and, and, and Black American Sign Language? What are some other um, uh, uh, individual resources for those with disability? The Epilepsy Foundation uh, came on board. The Heinz Endowments uh, is now looking at ways to provide uh, support just for those who are deaf and, and living with disabilities. So shout out to Heinz Endowment. 
and so many other partners have come literally from LA, from DC, uh, and other places in the country, just saying, how can we help? This has never been done for our community right. ever before. You could do the research in uh, uh, an actor, Hill Harper. Hill Harper uh, hit me on Twitter after Dina Clark connected us. He hit me and just said, hey, listen, this is an amazing movement. Malik Yoba uh, from New York Undercover and is currently filming a couple movies. Hey, listen, let, we're going to retweet this. We're going to post this on our Instagram channels. We love what you're doing. And the love from all around the country has been amazing. But I want all of this energy to go to the deaf community, hard of hearing, and those that are living with disabilities. I think that you've said a couple of important things in there. I think that the, I think that the message in there, another message, maybe not one that you intended, but I think it's probably one you set out to do, at least for yourself, was there's a very important message in there about how to properly be an ally in a movement in which you're not necessarily part of the community. And I think that that's, that's an issue that a lot of, a lot of white Americans are having with, with, you know, getting involved um, in the black lives matter movement. And I, I think, I think that folks are doing a, a better job this time than they have in the past. People are actually getting out on the streets or staying out on the streets, but that's a really good where you, so was that in your mind the whole time is, was how do I be an ally, but how do I not make this about me? How do I not, you know, this was my idea, but how do I not just make it my vision? How do I share it? Here's the thing. And here's what every, I want everybody to know, you know, on Facebook or, you know, who's watching this, we have a responsibility to appropriate properly our influence. Mm -hmm. You know, people are like, Hey, May, you know, I'm trying, uh, I tried to friend you on Facebook. You're, you're at 5,000. You know, can you delete some individuals? You have such and such tens and thousands on Instagram. You have to use that as your platform. And we all have a voice, but we have to use it and curate our voice properly. Yeah. Whether you are a poet, uh, um, whether you are a filmmaker, or whether you are a journalist, we have a responsibility to be the gatekeepers that we are for this information and for, especially in the arts. Can you imagine a quarantine without books, right. music, movies, poetry, photography? We have a responsibility. So I felt that it was my responsibility that, hey, Emei, if you're such a document, you know, a documentarian, if you're such a artist, whatever the case is, what are you doing for your community? So you know, out here crystallizing these movements and these protests through films and videos. Um, and, and I said, the deaf community, my daughter mentioned the deaf community. I have to use my vehicle to drive this message in. And I have to include as many people as possible in this conversation. Not about me, but using my influence to say, hey, listen, oh, you like that one photo? Guess what? Did you know blah, 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 blah? you know, a fact to pull you in. I'm a hip hop guy and KRS-One is one of my favorite MCs, but KRS-One was strategic about coming out with criminal minded first and then my philosophy. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He was like that cook 
that gave you a free sample of that mac and cheese. Right. 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 Because right. look here, once I get you hooked on that mac and cheese, you're going to want to get these plates popped off every other week. Right. Same situation. Okay, cool. You know, you like the part in my hair, the, you know, side. Boom. I, I got you hooked in. Now, um, what can we do about the deaf community and those living with disabilities? You got any, you got any ideas? Me? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that, that was... <laughs> I was gonna say I have this idea for this PSA. It's called yeah. Unspeakable. I'm just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then to to follow up for the fourth quarter of your of your question, mm -hmm. that's why it was important when you watched uh, Unspeakable. There's uh, white people. Uh, there's yeah. representation of the Asian uh, community. There's representation of the uh, the Indian community. Um, uh, you know, biracial women, uh, you name it, uh, they are all in it. Of course, black deaf lives matter. But if, you know, if all black or, or if all deaf lives matter, all black deaf lives should matter. Right. So same principle. You're listening to the Pittsburgh Current podcast. We are talking to Ime Alaquiva about his new project, Unspeakable a 60 second PSA that brings out the message that black deaf lives matter. Um, you may hear in the last few minutes, um, if I may, let me ask you just about the black lives matter movement. And since the death of George Floyd, for you personally, um, as a black man, how has this, how has this affected you? And, and again, well, you, let me ask you this, cause it's something I've wondered. What do you think it, why do you think it was different with George Floyd that, that sparked, and again, I mean, other deaths, I mean, there was an outrage, but there seems to be, everyone sort of woke up a little bit on this one. I mean, you've got Republicans in Harrisburg talking about passing police reform bills. Wow. What was it about this one, do you think, that? Um, <clears throat> I think what was different um, in light of the COVID situation where a mm -hmm. lot of people have a lot of time to put energy towards things, um, I think it was utterly disgusting to see someone's soul yeah. dissolve into the cosmos in 4k resolution the metaphor of what happened to george floyd has been happening those injustices have been happening for centuries mm -hmm. Uh, for black Americans, uh, for black people, black and brown people, it, f it felt like America's knee has been on our necks for centuries. Yeah. And for me to see that happen, bro, it choked me up. Uh, I didn't want to see the video. I tried to stay away from the video but I couldn't because I had to watch it. And what happened to that man has been happening to a lot of black and brown people mm -hmm. for a while. And the fact that it was a modern day lynching, if you will, yeah. in such a resolution, it was almost as if we were there. And 
to hear the call outs where, where, where the gentleman was like, please, bro, you, you, you're killing him right in front of us. And the audacity for this police officer to have his hands in his pocket as if he was waiting for someone to deliver his sandwich right. out of a window at, at, at a corner store as if he was whistling with his hands in his pocket. And then even to that effect where when he had his hands in his pocket, it was almost like it gave him another balance to apply even stronger pressure to his neck. Uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds. I don't think they train you in police training. I don't think that there's a videotape training that says, hey, listen, if someone uh, is accused of using a $20 bill, put your knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And even when the ambulance, who it wasn't really the ambulance, it was actually other police officers if you look at the tape again. Even when they come, don't take your knee off his neck until they have to tap your knee to tell you to get off. So that's how it made me feel. And I think it, it, it's different because it's just a different time in America where a lot of uh, radical things are happening, where it just built up and became like this volcano that exploded around uh, Memorial Day. Yeah, and I think that, again, that there's so many things in that video, but another is the other officers, not just the other, but, but in particular, that officer who was in, kind of in the front of that video, sort of keeping crowd control, what is it in your head that doesn't make you go over when you're hearing these people? I mean, he was looking right at these people. We hear the voices. He's looking at this at these people. And to not go over and just say, hey, man, that's, you know, even the slightest bit of, of, of interference in that situation. And I think that that's part of why people don't trust the police, because they, they, they're never going to be on their side when it comes down to their word or their, them against one of their fellow officers. And that's, that's yeah. something that's got to change. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's something that's going to take a long time to change. And, and I don't know, so far I haven't seen a whole lot of that. But you know what, you know what, it shouldn't take a long time to change if the purpose of the handcuffs and the purpose to have them on his stomach right. is to make sure that he is no longer a threat right. to you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Like, 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 I don't want to go there, but I mean, it's part of the conversation. Um, there's a lot of police officers that would have stopped it right there. Sure. I'm not necessarily sure why he didn't stop it and why it took four of them to ensure that uh, the officer's knee stayed on his neck. And we can't see the other officers around the corner, but I'm sure they could be like, yo, we good. We got him from here. We understand. We, we got you, bro. We got to hold each other accountable. Yeah. Everybody, everybody else holds each other accountable. I know if I was at work and I had my knee on, you know, somebody's neck, uh, a, a, a coworker would definitely be like, yo, what are you doing? Right. Bro, chill. Somebody yeah. would tell me to come. Someone would hold me accountable. Um, 
So, you know, I'm optimistic that that changes are going to be made now more so than ever, because I've never seen this type of energy around uh, uh, around a movement. I've never seen this type of energy. Ime, thank you so much for coming on today. Danielle, thank you for interpreting. It's been um, it's been a it's been a really great show. And like, man, I can't tell you enough how uh, much I admire that that the project that, that you've uh, that you've done here. It's uh, it's a powerful piece of work. Um, give the website uh, one more yes. time. Absolutely. Um, if for those individuals um, that want to get involved in some way, somehow step out of your uh, box in order to get into a new circle of ASL. Uh, go to www.unspeakablem.org. That uh, website again is unspeakableblm.org. And uh, I, I encourage you to just dive in and, and help the deaf community, hard of hearing, and those with disability get to the next level and amplify your voice, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and we'll have a new issue of the Pittsburgh Current coming out this Tuesday afternoon. If you support independent journalism and you've got a couple of bucks to spare, we could sure use it to make sure we continue to bring you uh, top content. Um, you can go to our website, pittsburghcurrent.com, and find the link um, to, to donate or to become a, uh, uh, an ongoing member of the Pittsburgh Current. We really appreciate all the help we've received so far. And, um, you know, I think we're maybe starting to see a light out of this whole COVID-19 situation. So I appreciate your help. Um, thank you very much. Ime Danielle, have a great day. This has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. See you next week. Turn.